Evening. So you have the hymn that we're looking at in front of you. Um, I, I hope that, that that opening brass setting of this kind of gives us a, a little bit of an intro into how this, what, what this hymn is going to be doing. Uh, so open now thy gates of beauty. Hymn 2, or what is it, 255. I was just remembering, this was hymn number one in the old hymnal in TLH. Um, kind of a prestigious place, hymn number one. So first, as we've been doing, we'll look first at the, the hymn writer, Benjamin Schmolk. Benjamin Schmolk was uh, the son of a Lutheran pastor. Uh, and he, so he went to school, and at one time when he was at, after uh, the gymnasium, came back and he like preached a sermon in his father's church like for him or something like that and someone in the congregation was so impressed with how he, how he did that that they offered to pay for him to go to school to become a pastor so he did he goes to the University of Leipzig um, from 1693-1697 oh, Oliarius uh, was one of the professors there Johann Oliarius there's two Johann Oliarius and both of them are hymn writers this is the one um, uh, writes, uh, Come, O Precious Ransom, Come, the Advent Hymn. So, very influential on him. Uh, and he does already, during his school years, uh, begins writing poetry. In fact, that's kind of how he pays for some of his schooling, is by, by writing poems for wealthy people. Uh, he becomes a poet laureate, which is essentially where someone, they, they get recognized as like an official poet of a, of a government agency or, or some society, poet society where they would name someone. So it's kind of some you know, the status of poets. Uh, he gets that in 1697. He is ordained and he does serve as his father's successor in the town that uh, where his father served. I don't remember the name of that. In 1701 that he does get a position uh, in this town called Schweidnitz in uh, with the territory known as Silesia, which is today's in Poland. Uh, but first, and he kind of makes his way up, it's all in the same place. Begins as a deacon uh, in 1702, then archdeacon in 1708, so they're like levels, um, you know, so deacon would be like a pastoral assistant. And then I think it's actually in 1712, where he's actually the like senior pastor. So archdeacon would be underneath that senior pastor, and then pastor primarius, and inspector. Inspector would have been something like a, a pastor over the, the area churches, except that there weren't really, at least initially, weren't area churches because of the situation following the Thirty Years' War. So we've talked about that quite a bit. We've mentioned a number of these poets either during or after some effect of the Thirty Years' War, ending in 1648. So that's before he's born, but that's going to affect him. Um, he serves uh, in 1730. He has a stroke, although he's it seems like he <clears throat> recovers somewhat from that, and he's able to serve for another about another five years uh, through quite a bit of pain and difficulty. But he does until finally he has another stroke. Um, yeah, 1735 that debilitates him. But he still continues serving almost until the very end, where the, the, at the very end, all he does, all he can do is hear, uh, hear confession and give absolution. But it got to the point where he could hardly 
get his hand up to place it uh, on the head of of his members um, until to the very end. On about 900 hymns, um, that's that's what you have as far as the the hymn count. If you were to count other what they call spiritual songs, so there's other music and uh, songs that he wrote, certainly other poems, poems. Um, but 900 hymns he's called uh, the Silesian Rist. So Johann Rist, I read off my hand, I can't think of his hymns, but he's also called the second Gerhardt, as in Paul Gerhardt, which is pretty high praise, where they'll, they'll talk about him being the most uh, influential hymn writer uh, during this period. <laughs> Although we don't have that many. We have, I think, in our hymnal, in Red Hymnal, we have two hymns, so it's this hymn, and then there's a baptism hymn, uh, Dearest Jesus, We Are Here. It's a, it's a hymn uh, kind of for putting the, in the mouth of, like, sponsors bring, coming to bring a child to baptism. Um, that's what that hymn, like, 295 or something like that. That's the other hymn. There's another hymn, in, or actually several. I think there were, like, four hymns in this hymnal by uh, Schmalk, uh One of them... Oh, Jesus, as thou wilt, oh, may thy will be done. Into thy hands of love I would my whole reason. We don't have that one anymore. We have the tune now um, with the, the gifts Christ freely gives that uses that same Denby tune. Um, but so there have been, you know, of course, with, some, with 900 hymns, although I think there's a quote there, even he said, says, I wrote too many. <laughs> Where, like, the quality wasn't. It's not, remember, I think we had talked about when we were looking at the Paul Gerhardt hymn a few weeks ago, um, where we said, this is not that many hymns, and I don't remember how many it was. It was a couple hundred or something like that. But we said, that's not that many for a lot of these hymn writers, where they're writing a lot, um, which is fascinating to me, that so many of them were writing, you know, at least three digits. Um, and, and, you know, just compared to, like, how many poets do we have? How many hymn writers do we have? Uh, very few. But they had, they had training in this, they were, and they were exposed to it constantly. Uh, so they have something that we don't have, unfortunately, uh, in this. So, uh, we want to talk, though, about this. The church, and this is going to be a big connection to this particular hymn, is the church that he served uh, in Schweidnitz. Uh, and these were called Friedenskirchen um, in Silesia, in this territory. So, following the Thirty Years' War, so it gets, ends in 1648, and the treaty that comes with that is the Peace of Westphalia. Um, as terms for this... Um, here in Silesia, Silesia reverts to Catholicism as a part of the treaty. Uh, so Lutheran pastors are removed. The, the, the Catholics regain the churches, even though most of the people by this time are Lutheran. <laughs> so they get the empty churches. <laughs> uh, big churches. So just in this town, I, there's, a, there's at least one monstrous one. Uh, and so, so as a concession in the treaty, they are allowed in, 
or they have to, like in order they, so you, okay, so you get all the churches, but you have to let the Lutherans build a couple churches in your territory. And there were three uh, hereditary duchies where they were to put three churches, but these are the rules, and they were called peace churches, in terms of the peace of Westphalia. So the, the churches had to be outside the city walls. They can only build them out of wood, sand, clay, and straw. So no stone, no brick, no bell towers, uh, so no steeples, uh, and you have to complete this in one year. So what are they going to build? What will they build? They built these, these three churches uh, in these three towns. In Glaugau, uh, which is up in the kind of north part of the, the region, uh, <clears throat> built in 1648, there's a drawing of it. Uh, it's not to scale, because I'm pretty sure this guy and that church are not, they're not to scale. Um, and interesting, like the, the churches, so it's a free, free church, a peace church, Sur Crippen Christi, uh, to the crib or the manger of Christ. We have a, a church, I think it still is open, or I don't Christi, Christi in the Wisconsin. Where is it? I don't even know where it is. Somewhere in the Milwaukee region. <laughs> it's like the South Atlantic area of, of Milwaukee. <laughs> but uh, so Crippling Christie, they named it that to, to, the, uh, to the manger of Christ. Uh, and then, but that one was burned down. The other two are still standing today. So this one in Yawar, Yawar, um, it was uh, a freedom to the to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit Church. Um, that one, yeah, you can see that one. That one's pretty impressive too. Not as impressive as this one here in Schweidnitz. So this is the Polish name and the German name. Uh, built in 1657 uh, to the Holy Trinity. Um, and so here's the church. Uh, the the town council donated like 1,000 trees, logs for it, but most of the wood came, most of the, the lumber for it came from this Hochberg family, the Erich landowning families, and so in, in kind of exchange for that, they got a box in the, in the church that was, that was their, their family's, their, um, what would you call that in a stadium? Like a luxury box kind of thing? A sweet beer. <laughs> but you'll see it when you see the inside of this church. So what you would... Looking at the hymn, so this is what the church looks like today. And you know, on the outside, yeah. So it's you know uh, half timber construction, uh, exposed, you know, exposed the, the, the frame of it, and the inside is just mud and straw. Uh, and it, yeah, it looks. I mean, it's big. You'll see it on the inside. It it's going to seat seven thousand people. Or it'll seat 3,000, but there's room for 7,000. Uh, so, Schmolk is the pastor at this church. Uh, so when he writes this hymn, when he writes, Open now thy gates of beauty, Zion, and let me enter in this place where I'm going to go into, into the house of God, this is the place. Um, what I'm going to do is let you see the pictures while it's playing a recording of the hymn. So just let you... Um, observe the inside of this church and kind of see it. Um. 
Und mir auf die schöne Pforte führt ihn Gottes Haus nicht ein. Ach, wie wird an diesem Ort meiner Seele fröhlich sein. Hier ist Gottes Angesicht, hier ist auch der Trost und Licht. Herr, ich bin zu dir gekommen, komme du auch zu mir. Baptismal font, which is original. So you make us build a building out of out of sticks <laughs> and straw. You know what are the like the in a year. well in a year. <laughs> so challenge accepted. Um, and to make it yeah. So the intent was to make it so that it's not permanent. It's not. It's not one of these. Monumental, you know, and 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 here we are. How many years later? Uh, still standing. So I would love to go and see that someday. Do they still use it as a church? It is. Um, I don't know that there's that many people that are there. I, I couldn't I couldn't see any like video footage of like a service. That would have been interesting to see. But it does get used as a for a service every Sunday. I think probably mostly it's a tourist attraction. Which, um, yeah, another interesting thing, kind of a rabbit hole that I, I found when I uh, bought this church is that um, in this the, the church it, still I think that they're there. They're probably on display there too. Uh, some of the vestments that the pastors wore 
during that time, from the time that it was built, and they know that these things, these were worn, or one of these was worn in 1802 at like an anniversary service. These are chasubles um, from from that that period. You could they're either dated and worn, and, and but uh, the Lutherans of this period wore the full liturgical vestments. So the, the idea of, you know, like, and you see the picture of Luther wearing like the black, black preaching robe, the academic robe. That Luther did that, and then the Calvinists did that. Um, but Lutherans tended to wear liturgical vestments. Those are kind of two traditions. Um, so that's an example of that. Talk a little bit about the tune. Um, the tune is called Unser Herrscher. Uh, actually, in the old hymnal, it's called Neander because he's the one who wrote that. You can see that at the bottom of Joachim Neander, which I believe is the same. Me saying, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, on Sunday. Yes? Is that the, is that the Neander too? Yep, he wrote the text of Praise to the Lord the Almighty, the, who wrote to this tune. Um, Neander, of course, that's, that, that is related to like Neanderthal. It's the valley where this guy lived. Um, with Neanderthal, tall is a valley, and so that's where they found the bones of that of Neanderthal person. Um, but. Uh, not anything that special. What I'd like to do talk a little bit about some of the things we we talked earlier in the summer. We walked through um, at intervals. It is an interesting one because it has a wide range to this hymn. It starts very low. Starts below middle C, which we don't start often that low. from our the hymnal uh, from Germany, from the ELFK, our sister sent it there. They have a new hymnal, which I got a copy of because um, Samuel Olek, who was visiting this last couple of weeks, brought me a copy of, their, of that new hymnal, which is great. Uh, but apparently they have online, they have a lot of the, the stuff on there. Um, notice one thing different that they do, because they'll, do, they'll put one stanza in the music and then they'll have the others printed in text in the hymnal too, um, with just the melody, but they'll print repeats where ours goes all the way through. Of course, when we have multiple stanzas in there, that's, we have to kind of do that. We can't very easily put them in repeats. But it, doing it this way shows you that you're actually, the, the tune is that, not that long when it repeats. That's a reference to, if you remember, it's what was sometimes referred to as bar form, where you have a, a few bars that you repeat with the same, and that's what we do with the stanza is a stanza is a bunch of these that you then repeat with the different words, but you're singing the same melody. So the melody doesn't go all the way through, it has repeated sections. So this, these first lines uh, repeat. Um, why don't we, why don't we, while we're looking at the melody, you're not going to be able to 
Let's do it in English. Um, stanza one from the hymnal. Would be an eighth, right? Um, and so major sixth, and to remember that one, because we don't have them that often, I don't think. That's kind of a big jump in him. You'd, you'd recognize it. NBC Television. That, that recording, that was from 1933. Oh, um, uh, you do have a, a major fourth here when you go from the, the first line to the second line. It's major fourth. And that's the sixth. Um, I don't really have a lot else to say about the the tune. Again, pretty straightforward. Wasn't uh, there were other tunes in other or like old German hymnals that they associated with another tune, but this one has been this one has been tied to this text for quite uh, it's pretty widespread use with this this text and this tune, even though they weren't. Like some of the others where they were made for each other, uh, literally, this is not. Uh, so then let's look at uh, the text. Let's look at the words of the hymn. Uh, the, in its original, in the book that it was originally published in, this is a title page from it, uh, printed 1734. I think the earliest date I saw it on was 1732. Um, Um, the, like the, they would have these subtitles or the titles uh, for this um, and it calls it the first step into the church or presenting ourselves before the Lord and I think that's where then those pictures of that church so like what he's imagining of the church that he's walking into is that place 
Um, and I think that does a good job of solidifying what is what he's what we're going to sing about is happening. Um, so what is what, what are we entering into? What are we? What what is this place? What is this place that we're talking about? So, let's look at the, the text here. Open now thy gates of beauty. Zion, let me enter there. Talk a little bit about beauty. Um, so, in the, uh, the German is shame. Uh, beauty. Uh, beautiful. The, the, the gates that we're entering into are beautiful, lovely. Um, which reminds me of Psalm 84. How lovely are your dwelling place, is your dwelling place, O Lord God of hosts. We, we should think about, you know, so like looking at those pictures of that church. Now, we might have different standards or different kind of uh, subjective ideas of something that, we, that, that appeals to our taste. But we do want to remember that beauty is something that is, it is a, a, a virtue or a, an attribute that exists in God. Uh, that comes from God. Like truth, right? Our world looks at truth as totally subjective, right? But we'd say, no, that's not true. Truth is true is true, right? And how, who gets to decide what is true? God does. Um, goodness is another virtue, right? And our world might think that goodness is also less so. I think the world would, would not do this as much. But goodness, who gets to decide what is good? God is because God is the creator of what is good. Same thing is true of beauty. Now we might, again, we might have different tastes for different things, whether that's food or appearance, right? And we might look at that church, for example, and there might be a sense in which you, and when I first looked at it, like almost, almost gaudy, right? Although I think I would love to see it in person. Also keeping in mind it's 400 years old. So, um, but... But is beauty entirely subjective? I would say it's only, it is only as subjective as truth and goodness are. That truth, goodness, and beauty, they are creations of God. Um, our task is to recognize what God makes as beautiful. Now, we're, again, we're not talking about just like, do I prefer blondes or brunettes? What's beautiful? Or some other subjective Thing, what appeals to me, that's not what we're talking about. Beauty is something that God has, has made. Um, our task is to recognize it. So what makes these gates beautiful? You know, what, what makes this a beautiful place? Well, that's going to be more than just like the appearance of it. But we're going to try to make the appearance fall in line with what it is. It is a beautiful place because of what's going to take place there, what God is going to do there. And so we would want to adorn it to make it kind of fitting for the beauty, the beauty that it is. Yeah? In the same way, we would want to align our minds to the truth of God and his word and not align, you know, like manipulate that in order to, to fit my ideas and opinions. God's word is truth. We want to recognize it. So open now thy gates of beauty. Um, again, well, but, you know, thinking back to those, those uh, like, psalm verses, like, uh, how lovely is your dwelling place? What is it that makes it lovely? It's not because it 
has the right shades of color that we that we makes us feel happy and bubbly inside. But it's because of what happens there. So open now thy gates of beauty. Zion, let me enter there. Zion is a is a term. Bible uses it all the time. Generally, sort of a synonym for Jerusalem. So it's a place. But what is what what makes it that place? What makes Jerusalem? You know the way that the Psalms speak of um, Zion. Let me enter there. The the, in the the halls of Zion is the, this is so Jerusalem knows the place where the temple was. Right. This is the place where God meets with man. Zion is the dwelling place of God's people. This is the place where His 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 church His people are gathered together to be with Him. So when we sing of Zion, this is this is this. So it's more than just a place, right? It's what happens in this place. Um, but but it is a place, like so. It, and it's not that we have to all go to Jerusalem, you know, because we say, no, that's not, the old, that's not the dwelling place of God as a place, right? It was, though, when the temple was built there. And God said, you know, Solomon prays at the dedication, will, you dwell, does, will God dwell on earth? The answer is yes. And, and they'll pray to that place, because that's where God had said, pray here, right? So it's not like it's only limited to one place, but it is in place. And that's what we're going to see through this whole hymn, that this idea of place. Here. The, it's not only here, like, like we sing it, and it's like St. John's at Woodlake is the only place where, no. <laughs> but yes, here. But this is the place for us. Yeah? So, Zion, let me enter there. Which is going to require some admission, right? Let me, let me come in, because I can't do this simply because I want to. We can't enter into God's presence just because we want to or because we feel like it. Right? We have to be admitted and allowed to come into the presence of God. Zion, let me enter there. Wear my soul in joyful duty. That's an interesting kind of couple of words, joyful duty, because we wouldn't necessarily think of something that's a duty as being joyful. Right? Those are almost like contradictory, but they're not. Right? Not, not this, right? This is, a, is it a duty? Yeah, right? This, this is, is the worship of God optional for the Christian? It is not. Um, so, you know, is going to church optional for the Christian? Some people think that it, it is not. But it's not this duty like this burdensome obligation. It is a joyful duty. It is, the, yeah, why wouldn't we? we can we? <laughs> Yeah. Um, where my soul in joyful duty waits for him who answers prayer. Uh, interesting on this one. Waits for him who answers prayer. Um, that's the Catherine Winkworth's translation of it. Um, but I, I came across recordings and this, this, this phrase was waits for God who answers prayer. A lot of versions. You know what they did there or, or why they might have done that. Waits for God who answers prayer. Why instead of him? Any guesses? Because apparently there's someone who doesn't get his preferred pronouns. And it's God. God is the one who doesn't get to. And this is so like, um, 
starting to, I don't have every Kindle on the shelf, but um, I do have uh, the, the ELCA Kindle from 19, 1978. They already switched that out for God. So if you think that you know, these kind of ideas surrounding not being uncomfortable with God being a he, um, 1978 was that was already didn't, and I don't know why else they would do that. Right? They're afraid of that pronoun. Um, interesting how things get turned around, um, and now everyone is very concerned about pronouns. Um, but if you think that the, the kind of those ideas back in what's now ELCA that this is not new stuff. This, is, this has been a long It just kind of keeps on ramping up. Oh, how blessed is this place filled with solace, light, and grace. For this, um, that phrase, how blessed is this place, think of Jacob when he's on the run from Esau after he tricked his father, got the, the blessing from, from Isaac, and he sleeps and he has the dream with the stairway going up into heaven, the angels going up and down. He's got the, the, the rock for a pillow. And what does he say there? After he sees this, Jacob awoke from his sleep. He thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So he names the place Bethel, the house of God. But you notice there how he says, well, God was in this place. God was in this place. Yeah? Uh, and, then, and then he says he was afraid. So uh, in the German stanza, so we, there are seven stanzas total. Originally, we have five in our hymnal. New hymnal has three. Um, but stanzas three and seven, we don't have. But in three, uh, stanza three, in German, uh, well, I won't read you the German, but it's, let me walk before you in fear. Sanctify my body and soul that my singing and my praying may be called to you a dear offering. Sanctify my mouth and ears um, and let my heart enter in. Um, but let, let me stand, walk in fear before you. Uh, for, uh, fear. And then that shows up somewhere else too. Oh, here, when, when Jacob says, he says, uh, truly, uh, God was in this place, and then he was afraid, and then it says, he says, how awesome is this place? That's what NIV and ESV both have awesome. Um, but the word in Hebrew is basically the same root word as fear. So it's like awesome as in awful, awe, full of awe, like, and, but the word in Hebrew is the same word for when he says he was afraid. We, we've talked about this before. That we, aren't, we, we do not have the fear of God like we're terrified running the other direction. But that we do not walk into God's presence without some amount of trepidation. That is, we do not do this casually. This is what I said when I said, we, don't, we can't just go into God's presence unbidden, unallowed. He allows us graciously to come before him. We do not belong there, sinful man, before holy God. That's Isaiah, the prophet, before the throne of God. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, right? Uh, that God enters into, allows us to enter into his presence. Like we should, I, I think we, you know, so a certain amount of fear in that sense, 
in that sense that this, this, is, a, this is a privilege that I do not take lightly. Um, and you, can you see how that might be useful for us to, to have something that, that puts that into mind when I'm going to step in front of God and I, to be reminded when I enter into a, a sanctuary of God that I, that's what I'm doing here. Um, not that I'm afraid to come in, but that I, there, so that you kind of maybe think about what might be ways, certainly if the church looked like those, those churches, and you kind of, you're, you walk in, you're like, <laughs> and your whole, like, your eyes go up, and you're, that, that was intended to teach something, right? Um, but you could also, people could also do that with some kind of act of reverence in which they would recognize that they're just going into their bathroom. You know, they do it with some kind of indication that I'm standing on holy ground. Okay, not because of the wood and the stone or the mud and the brick or mud and the wood, right? The straw. It's because of what this is. God's made a promise, which is exactly what happened with Jacob. God made a promise to him there. And in that promise place, that's where he sets up, you know, that's where with Jacob and all the patriarchs, we saw this men's Bible study, suddenly. Everywhere that the, God makes a promise to them, they're setting up stones. Right? They're saying, this is the place that God made this promise to me. So me coming back to this place is me recognizing that God's going to, my trust in God to keep his promise. <clears throat> oh, how blessed. So we sing the same thing. I think that's where he's, what he's thinking of. Oh, how blessed is this place, filled with solace, light, and grace. Um, the, the, the German word, um, what I think is what, what she's translating as solace, is the word trost, which means comfort. It's a beautiful word, trost. Um, uh, light, it, it's, it's trost und licht. Um, also, then, the rhyming word is Gottes angesicht, which is God's uh, countenance in the, in, the, in the benediction. How does it go? I should know this. I need to do it from the start. Because you make his face shine upon you. The older versions is count his countenance, right? It's God's um, it's God's attitude towards you that He shows in your face, whether He's smiling or not, um, right? But this is like uh, uh, I think that's reflected in the word grace, then too. If He's looking on us in favor, that's that's what we want. That's where we're going here. So we're coming in hoping He's going to be smiling at us, but filled with solace, life, and grace. Sends it too. Uh, gracious God, I come before thee. Come thou also unto me. So it's not just us coming to God, because also ultimately we can't come to God. We can't go to God. So God's going to have to come to us. Otherwise, this is going to be a disaster. Otherwise, we're just like entreating the, the great and powerful Oz and trying to get out of him what we want. Um, and God's not just a man behind the curtain. Right? He's the real deal. So he's got to come to us. Come thou also unto me where we find thee and adore thee. There a heaven on earth must be. To my heart, O oh, enter thou. Let it be thy temple now. So us that if, if God would come to us, graciously forgiving us, um, then uh, this is a, a heaven on earth must be. And at the end, where it says, let it be thy, let my heart then. So if God comes to me, he says, come to, come to dwell in me, in my heart, that to make them me, his temple, but it's actually in the German, it's 
my heart will be heaven then. If God dwells there, that will be heaven, which is kind of mind-blowing, that this would be the dwelling place for God. Um, If if God would then come, come to me, to little old me. Here thy praise is gladly chanted. Here thy seed is duly sown. So that in the German it has a reference to um, um, in, my, was it, my, in my singing. That my singing and my praying may be a, 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 a dear offering to you my, in my singing. So here thy praise is gladly chanted. Chanted is the, I mean, it's really just a fancy word for singing. Although technically there's a difference between chanting and singing. Um, chanting is simply, technically, would be speaking on a pitch. It's, 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 it's speaking, so there's no rhythm, there's, it's just speaking, but on a, you know, so it's what we would know, like, like chanting the Psalms or, or something like that, we're, we're, just, we're just talking to her, but it's an elevated, you're raising the pitch, so instead of just saying, the Lord be with you, we say, the Lord be with you, and it's not, it's just on, it's kind of more orderly, I guess, because ever all speaking is also on pitch too, Right? Every, everything that you say has a pitch. But usually when we sing, we sing a little bit higher than we would speak. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I figured that Ian McGregor, the actor, uh, he was doing some interview about the, the movie Moulin Rouge, but he was talking about just the difference of this musical and, you know, talking about how you can do things with song that you can't do in speech, and your speaking voice is a lower... And so, like the the song just raises, you know, so you can sing. Um, you know, well, it just went, once you move into, you know, and when you go from from speaking to singing, it you could just it it usually increases in, in pitch, but also in um, significance too. That you can do the other thing you can do in song is you can like slow down, and it's not completely like you, uh, in, that movie picks up on like other other. Pop music that you know, I love you. Like, if you were to say it that slow, <laughs> you're having a stroke. <laughs> like, what's like what what's going on? Like, um, but you can do that with you can you can add the kind of significance through that. Um, Here, thy praise is gladly chanted. So, is there a difference between praise spoken and sung? Not in, in you know, content or not in the, the, the subject matter, but what it is is it's lifted up. It's all it is is taking speech and elevating it. it it's saying, important words, we're going to sing. We're going to sing a song. It's my dad, and I love you. I love you. You know, like you can do that. It still sounds a little bit ridiculous. But... It's just saying, it's, 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 it's screaming important words. That's all we're doing. Yeah? Here thy praise is gladly chanted. Here thy seed is duly sown. So we're, our eyes are, or our ears are pricked, right? Thy seed is duly sown, the sower and the seed. Let my soul, where it is planted, bring forth precious sheaves alone. Okay, so the prayer that God's word, which he's going to sow in this place, that's what we're, that's what we're coming for. So if we're going to meet with God... What's going to happen there? 
Well, we're going we're gonna to sing our praise to him, but, but his word is going to come and be planted in us. Uh, may it bring forth, so that all I hear may be fruitful unto life in, in me. Uh, so that, so that my, my prayer, that what I hear, what the word that is sown in me would bear fruit. Yeah? Thou my faith increase and quicken. Let me keep thy gift divine. Howsoe'er temptations thicken, may thy word still o'er me shine. As my guiding star through life, as my comfort in all strife. So this, you know, first of all, just asking that our faith would be strengthened. Why is that important? So then now we have reference um, in, in times of, he talks about temptation. In the second line, however, temptations thicken. Um, and then when it kind of when as my guarding star through life, just <laughs> the description of life as something that you go through. We, you and I know what that what the, 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 the stuff that we have to get through. Right. Um, it's not, you know, it's not really a destination so much, especially most of the stuff that much of the stuff that we have to get through. <laughs> Um, and then at the end, for my comfort in all strife, because we know that this is, this is um, that's reflected in, in German, in the stanza that we don't, the final stanza. Um, it calls it a Yammertal, which is like, it's so tall, like we talked about the valley. Uh, the Neandertal is the Neander's valley. Uh, tall, so Yammertal, Yammer is like um, sorrowful mourning. So this valley of sorrow. Um, out of this, um, uh, in in the yeah the the German for this stanza it's so again Thresta comfort me comfort me in all not which is need in every need. Um, so why why do we need the strengthening of faith that we would receive in this place through His Word that's implanted in us? <laughs> it's because of everything else, right? It's 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 this this life with all of its temptations. We know this, and so this is what we know. Yeah, that his word might do something about this, to comfort me, to increase my faith, to, which is essentially like, so God's made the promise, and the world wants to shake it out of you, and to, and to convince you that God is not going to keep his promise, that God hates you, really. And life is just kind of a... Like, like it has no, 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 no purpose no, uh, to say No. No, in spite of that, what the world and life and experience are kind of teaching me, I come to hear his word to convince me that he's going to keep his promise. Like think of Jacob. You know, he makes this promise, I'm going to bring you back. So then he goes off and he meets his uncle Laban and he works for him for, remember, he works for him for this pretty daughter of his, and then he tricks him. Okay, okay, seven more years and you can have the one that you really wanted. And then, you know, then he cheats him out of his wages. And, it, well, and then, you know, then he's got to live with these four women that he, and, and they're conniving to have children and all this. Is God really going to bring me back to this place? He had to have been wondering. Um, and so, this is, this is what we seek here. As comfort in all, our, in all strife. Um, star as my guiding star through life. Um, 
So we get the picture, right? Uh, the German there is the Morgenstern. We threw that in, how lovely shines the morning star. Uh, come from the scriptures. Who is the morning star? That's Christ. Although I think it, it is sort of a hint here. As my guiding star through life, as my comfort in Australia, uh, the German has... Uh, yeah, das sei mein Morgenstern. Uh, who leads me to the Lord? So I think it has in mind the, like the wise men following the star to find Jesus. Um, that's kind of in, in the picture, but still guiding star through life as my comfort in all strife. Stanza five. Speak, O God, and I will hear thee. Let thy will be done indeed. I think speak, O God, um, is kind of hints at First Samuel chapter 3. Uh, Samuel, when he's a young boy in, and he's, he's with Eli in the temple and he, he hears Samuel, Samuel, and, and he goes to Eli, says, you, you called? And he says, I didn't call. Go back to bed. Does this a couple times. And, and the last time he says, okay, next time he calls, say, speak, Lord, your servant is here, is listening. Um, and, and he does, and God, God speaks to him. So I think it's a reference there. Speak, O God, and I will hear thee. So who do we believe is, so we're coming to this place. And, and, and again, it's this thing that we have to, we believe because the scripture says it that this is where God speaks to me. Some of you people will talk about, no, God, God told me, God spoke to me. Um, God does. Here. In the place where his word is proclaimed. His word is his word. So this is God. You know, God spoke to me. It's not like this matter of, you know, like God gave me this. God speaks to me like without words, you know. Um, Kind of this, uh, well, what Lutheran's called shramari, which is kind of climbing up into the mind of God and getting His word from Him apart from His word, His, his recorded the Scriptures and the preached word, um, seeking a voice from God in some other way. But here we would say we come here. This is where we expect to hear what God says to us. Uh, speak, O God. And I will hear thee, and I will treat this word as the very word of God. Let thy will be done indeed. Yeah, because how God's will is done? When he breaks and defeats every evil plan, the purpose of the devil, which do not want us to hell with that name. God's will is done when his word is proclaimed, when we hear it and believe it. Um, Let thy will be done indeed. May I be, may I undisturbed draw near thee. While thou dost thy people feed. Um, which that makes me think of this church too. Like there was a lot to look at in that church. But I'm pretty sure if you were to look at you know, there's some probably. There are probably some plaques. Like I saw that that window was given by the Sunday school class in 1964 and 1965. <laughs> um, like I'm sure there's some of that in that church. Um, but my guess is that most of that artwork is biblical images or texts. There's a lot of writing, I think, on the walls in there. So, like, if I'm going to be distracted, that's what stained glass windows did. You know, like, are people going to get distracted when hearing the word of God? Yes. Um, I don't think the Calvinists solved anything when they built their churches plain with no artwork. 
don't think they solved it. They didn't keep people from getting distracted. Um, but when you have got the stained glass windows, then you can get distracted by the Bible stories if you're, when you're going to, right? Um, and as well as for people who can't read but can see these things. And, um, but may I undisturb, draw near, we can get disturbed or distracted easily enough. But we would pray, this would be part of the prayer of one entering into the house of God, that I would be able to pay attention. You know, um, you know, <laughs> I'm guessing this is a kind of a universal thing, that it is sometimes hard to pay attention. You mean, preacher isn't always paying attention. Like... <laughs> Uh, you know, so, so what do we do about that? Well, I mean, preacher will try to make it more interesting, I guess. We can try to, you know, like, you know, focus, focus, get some sleep, whatever it is. Um, but, well, one thing that we would do is we would pray that we would, you know, that would be a useful thing upon entering into the house of God. May I undisturbed draw near thee while thou dost thy people feed. Um, Meanwhile, meanwhile, while I'm f- struggling to stay awake and pay attention, what is God doing? See, the work, the work in the divine service is not your work, even though sometimes it takes some work to focus or this or that, right? But who's doing the work? It's the soul, right? Uh, God is the one who's do- who does the work. Yes, yes. So you know, there are things, there are things that we can do either to, de- you know, take away if I purposefully daydream or something like that or I don't go for sure um, but meanwhile while I'm struggling to pay attention or struggling with this or that right meanwhile while while thou dost thy people feed um, a good example of this is little children that may be the best example who look like they're paying absolutely no attention at all you know talk about getting distracted Although I find that actually it's adults that have a harder time. They get more easily distracted, I think. It's just maybe I just notice it. I, I, I watch who turns around and something makes a noise in the bathroom and I can see old people turn around. <laughs> anyway, it grows too. But, um, but distracted, doing something else, they're coloring. But then you've had this, you've, where you found out that they were actually listening when you didn't think that they were. Right? Um, what's happening there? God is feeding his people, even sometimes when they don't even notice. So sometimes, while we might feel disturbed or feel distracted, um, there, is this, there is this reality that God is, again, not that we would try to not pay attention, like, oh, God, that's all right. God can do things without our... I say the Holy Spirit's kind of sneaky that way. He will, he will work in us even when we don't realize that he is. Um, here of life the fountain flows. Here is balm for all our woes. Again, the, the German word there is, is comfort. Balm. Um, I think that, that, that fits the, the sense of, the, of what is getting at. Um, just going to cr- glance at my notes here and see. I think I got everything that I had jotted down. Any questions on the text of it? Good.
hope that it opens the, the hymn up a little bit. And um, I, I was like, yeah, I pleasantly surprised sometimes like a hymn that I'm not at. I mean, I'm familiar with it as a hymn, but I've never studied it. Like in, in detail, I've never looked at the German before this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm impressed. Schmolk is, um, he's often listed as kind of during the, the again, the early pietist uh, movement, but he doesn't, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pin them on a, that on him as a negative. I don't see that. Um, good stuff, and I haven't really spent much time with the other hymns of his, but this, I, I give, give Kim some credit for uh, pointing out this. A couple years ago, you, you had mentioned, like, eh, that, that's a good hymn. Maybe we could, if you ever find a place for that. Yeah. Um, which I... Yeah, no, like, yeah, and so like, but you know, then then the process was okay. I'm, I'm kind of looking through like where could be, where would be a good good addition uh, and fit into this coming Sunday, Trinity Ten. Uh, so, I think a good one. Hope so. Um, so we've got five stanzas in our current hymnal, as you see before you, the new hymnal. Um, it's got a new translation. I don't, I, I'll let you look at this on your own if you want to, if you have access to a, a copy. Um, it was the, the project director decided, he, I, I looked through some of the comments that if he had, uh, uh, had, before the hymnal project, he had written a, a, a fresh translation, which they thought, enough other people in the community thought that it needed a fresh translation. Of course, that meant reducing it down to three stanzas. Um, but like, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you be the judges, the judges of that. Um, and again, I, I hesitate a little bit to, to share with you another, just a, a little bit of a, a, a different take on the name, same menu, uh, melody, this hymn. So it's this, this is this hymn, it's, but they're singing in German. So this must be a German church. Uh, apparently, they, this is cool over there too. Um, uh, same melody, but I just having thought about the text as we've just done, uh, a little bit of the context <coughs> in which it was written. Um, I, I, I'll let, <coughs> let you uh, think through it a little bit. got some good trombone parts I think that you're gonna
like pep band. Yeah. just the first stanza like that was it was just one stanza of him they just repeated it um i don't know any just like with some of the others like we're not we're not trying to just like oh we don't like that style or we don't like to think about it kind of clearly and and even um charitably like but does it does it work well with the text does it and and why not (laughs) Like, if you were to just hear that music, what would you... I, I mean, my thought was it sounded, it sounded pep band. Yeah, it like, it should be in a gym. Yeah. Like, that was my kind of, like, feeling. It was kind of like, you know, get, get, you know, while the, while the, you know, the varsity's warming up, you know? It's fun, but it's not beauty. Like, this is... It doesn't, it doesn't scream like... Could you imagine them doing that? I mean, that was a beautiful, big church that they were in. But... Could you imagine them doing it in that other church? <laughs> it doesn't have that like kind of sense of awe and like this. You're okay, yeah. Here we're going to come into the presence of God with trepidation and fear, um, looking for consolation and comfort in our sorrow. I, I, like I, trombones could for sure do that, and certain, some kind of drums could could do that. But yeah. Interesting, like how it just changes the entire feel of the the text. So I don't want to leave you on that. Um, so I've got one. This is more just piano and voices, but again, same other in English though. Do you notice? Know I think they'll have that that God instead of him on this one.
thought of that I had forgotten about uh, Pastor Schmolt. So in serving that parish, um, there were, I forget my notes, something like 36 villages that were, so like, you know, like those three churches were the only Lutheran churches in that whole, in the hall of Silesia. So it means like those, you know, three, maybe three, four pastors that were serving there at this church, they had 30-something villages. Like up, I think I'd seen one number about 14,000 people that they were serving. Which I understand why, like that church that can, can hold 7,000 people was not from just from that city. It's from everywhere. They, they had no more churches. This is the only Lutheran church. Um, and so, like, later on, like, and even, even that rule against you know, having no bell tower, 1708, they were able to build a, a separate standalone bell tower made of the same kind of construction, uh, still standing there today, too. Except for two, two bells were taken out uh, during World War II for taking the metal. Uh, uh, yeah, so just, <laughs> just try to, like, imagine, like, that many people, a uh, very different kind of kind of work that, that they did. You know, they weren't handling a bunch of other stuff. They're just they're doing probably mainly services, and people would come come there to. Um, uh, the other thing, oh, about the trans the new translation. There are some phrases in the new translation that like do capture something that you know the current the Elizabeth Winkworth translation doesn't capture, but I think it misses just as many. Also, if you drop stanzas, you, you kind of lose a lot more, even if you, if, even if they were perfect. It's still only three stanzas out of the original seven stanzas. Um, and it's a little bit, just a little bit more folksy, not just that it drops these and dies. Uh, it, 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 it's just a little bit more folksy, I guess. I don't know that it was necessary, but yeah. Um, but you know, German-wise, there, 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 yeah, there's some expressions that you know that that captures it. That Winkworth lost. Winkworth is a, I think, a fairly reliable translator. Some people criticize her; she was not Lutheran, um, just more Anglican, I think, or some. I'm not sure what her actual affiliation was, but she did a did us a huge service in getting. Good chunk of our hymns into English that we would not have gotten that quickly that many, um, and generally the 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 translator has to be just as much of a poet as the original author, maybe even more because they're they're constrained by this is what the original poet. And I'm trying to faithfully bring that in, but I've got to put it into the meter and everything like that, and then to make it beautiful too. That's a that's a tough thing. Um, so I think her translation is pretty good. Uh, she did not translate the two stanzas that our hymnal doesn't have, three and seven. She didn't translate. So those the ones that we have are just the ones that Winkworth translated. So the reason we don't have them is because, and and I think I'd read one thing probably because there's there's lines in it that don't just don't come across well. So it's, it was hard, and so no one's ever done it. So now um, we just to do that. Um, I might have mentioned this so that the Synod Convention this week there was a there was a resolution on the on the floor to commission the Synod to have 
one of the, the original Ruth Wells hymnals translated, um, it failed. Uh, which I don't know that necessarily commissioning the synod is the way to get that done. It could get done some other way if someone would want to do it and still might happen. But but apart from a project like that, we you would have no access unless you want to learn German. It would be worth it. Encourage it, but <laughs> but it, but you know, like apart from that, you're you're cut off from that this treasure. I mean, not just you've got so the the two small hymns that are in our hymnal, he wrote 900. And if we, if someone would translate some of them, my guess is that out of 900, what, you know, what if he, if he bats, if he bats 250, that's a pretty good batting average, right? What is that? What is that? The math on that, I should have picked a better number. Should have picked. <laughs> anyway, like even just a fraction of them were good, you know, one ninth of them, and you've got a hundred, you know, if you have that many hymns. But we, and even if we did put them in a hymnal that we would sing regularly and learn, you know, to have them as prayers, devotions, which is why these things were written in the first place. They were written not for use in church generally, but for use in the home, for individuals that someone could read and learn. And if we would spend time reading and learning some of these poems, we might, we might, some of us might develop a love for this kind of language and kind of learn with enough exposure to rhymed verse, pick up the ability to do that if we do it from very old, some of us are probably too, too young, or too old to, I don't want to say that, like, rule it out, but like, but you know what I mean? Like, if, if we had been exposed to this completely, if we had all the collections of just Schmolk's hymns, and we had 900 hymns that we were hearing from the time we were little, and then when we could read, that we read them, and we heard them out loud, and heard these cadences and things like that, do you think we would have more hymn writers, or fewer? Matthew Carver has done a ton of uh, like where where like the source of them. Um, I think he translates anything he can get his hands on. So like that, the, what the recently CPH published what they called Walter's Hymnal. So it was one of the early Missouri Synod hymnals. And I was just looking at that today because actually this hymn isn't in that one, interestingly. It was in the early Wells Hymnal, but not in the Missouri Synod one. They had four hymns by this guy, but not this one, interestingly. I, that surprised me. Um, but uh, he, I think he was the editor on that. That he took hymns that had already been translated by anyone else. He didn't retranslate everything, but hymns that hadn't been translated, he did so that it's a complete collection of that hymnal. Um, but then, yeah, just about anything. Um, he's got a website, hymnoglyph, something like that. Um, yeah, I came across it in searching for something just. Just like yesterday, but something different. I don't know. Um, 
or he had translated it, but I don't you think know, anyone else has. So yeah, he's and he'd be the one if this project that they were pushing for, he'd be the one. And they had already been in contact with them about it. Um, but yeah, there's just tons. I think he's mainly doing hymns and like poetry type stuff. That's it's got a whole other level of translating to be able to do that. Uh, but it'd be it'd be it'd be nice to have just access to them so that non-German speakers and even those who can kind of get by. I mean, I rather read it in English usually. The German's pretty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, there's, there's something to that. Like, the. You don't want to look at that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Anymore. But, um, yeah, so, so, like, the formality of the language. Does this hymn suggest a kind of level of formality? I mean, in, in my head, based on, again, the text as it is, as well as the context in which it was written in that, that space, you know, <laughs> he could have made the hymn as, as boring as the outside of the church. You know, like on the outside, it looks just like a German building, like all the other buildings in German, Germany with that type of construction, right? Except for the churches generally are made out of stone, but not this one because they weren't allowed, right? So I just I just love that. You're like, yeah, we'll show you. <laughs> and 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 then you walk inside and say, but now once I'm inside, now I don't have the this doesn't look just like my barn anymore. You know, it doesn't look like everything else, which is on purpose. It's not supposed to, because this is supposed to be like I stepped into heaven now. God has come down in this place, um, and uh, and that I, I think that's significant for us to think in those terms. Not not that God is limited by someone's people criticism. We can't put God in a box. If God, by His word, His promise, has promised to be in a box, that's where you should go to find Him. You know, and if the box is wherever His word is proclaimed, and the sacraments are administered according to His institution. That's the box God wants to be in. So this box might be a wonderful brick 1926 building. Um, or it might be a half timber, hay and straw, or straw and mud building. Um, all decked out on the inside. You're like Whatever the place is, it is in a place. God does come to us in a place. You know, he doesn't just whisper in the wind. He's got places. And then within the place, you know, that's why we put up a place for the, the word of God to be preached and even a place for it to be read and a place for the water of baptism to be contained. And we have a place for the sacrament of the altar for the elements of Jesus' body and blood to come to us from Jesus to us, right? We go to this place. And these are things that I... I used to refer to those things like as furniture in the church, you know? And we dress up the furniture like we dress up the pastor with pyramids, right? Clothes, uh, cloth. But I think it's more useful for us to talk about them as monuments. That's what I think what they are better than, than furniture. And furniture has a practical purpose, right? 
that you, you do something with it, which this does have a practical purpose. And people who like to um, play around with that, they get that confused. And then they're, they're like, if you've ever seen a guy preaching from one of these music stands? Right next to a big marble pulpit, or wood pulpit, have you ever seen that? It annoys me. <laughs> you know, this is fine. Like, you know, but, the, but what happens is, so he doesn't have that, and he's got this pulpit up here that's got a, this stand for things like books. And then he's like preaching because he wants, you know, to be informal. And then he's like, well, now what do I do with the book? That's why I have the music stand here. Exactly what you had up here, <laughs> but a lot prettier, you know, and like was made for that purpose, for the explicit purpose. They carved it out of trees and stained it, and you know, and it's like worn from generation after generation of preachers leaning on the pulpit and you know, like you know, right? It, and and they're like, this is this is fine. <laughs> It's true, functionally, because if as, as furniture, it does the job. But you do need some, you just need some kind of thing. But let's say this is a monument to the Word of God. It's not there to elevate the preacher by any means. And woe to us if that's what it was. You're like, oh, I think I'm bringing something special. Here, let me stand up taller than you. Um, <laughs> entire reason for that is so that, boy, that the sound travels over the Cheerios and, and hits the ears. Right, it, 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 um, it's, that's why the, you know the, the, we're up on steps um, is so that things can be seen and that the sound travels. Like it's, and it's not to elevate the, the guy in the pulpit. I mean, he's half more than half covered up anyway, which is on purpose too. Right? He's he's dressed like the monument, but so that this word of God, we say this is so valuable to us. Here God comes to us, and here God comes to us, and here God comes to us. And like, I know where to go with the comfort, I think. I'm not waiting around for God to whisper, and like, maybe he'll talk to me, maybe. But like, I had this, I should. Head up. I'll pause the recording. All right. <clears throat> Thank you.
Lord Jesus Christ, almighty Son of God, we beseech you, send your Holy Spirit into our hearts through your word, that he may rule and govern us according to your will, comfort us in every temptation and misfortune, and defend us by your truth against every error, so that we may continue steadfast in the faith, increase in love and good works, and firmly trusting in your grace, which you purchased for us by your death, obtain eternal salvation. For you reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.